This is Communion Sunday here at Lake Avenue Church. You see the elements around you. And what we're going to do is what Jesus told us to do. We're going to do something in remembrance of him. Now, before we come back to to think about what he meant by that, uh, we're going to be going all the way back to the Moses story of Exodus chapters 2 and 3. It's the third time we've come to that. But I wanted to come back because there's one word in that text that I think is one of the most powerful words in the Bible for the way God works. It's it's one that I want us to grasp and hold on to. For me, it's been life-changing in so many ways. And it is that word, remember. Remember. Uh, It it occurs twice in the text, both in chapter 2, verse 24, and then again in chapter 3, verse 15. Um, Now, I've told you this is one of the more significant words in the Bible to get ready for the way that God is going to work. But I've, I've felt a bit of a challenge as I thought about speaking about this today. And that is... Uh, the way that the Bible uses the word remember is just a bit different from the way that we use the word remember usually here in the United States in our day. It's a subtle difference, but I'll tell you, it's a significant one, and I want you to try to grab hold of it. To get at it, I'm going to watch and see if anybody's following me at all on this one. To get at it, when we think about ourselves as people, we often divide up what's inside our thinking, inside of our brains, from the way that we live with our bodies. In other words, sometimes we can say we believe something in our heads and say we really believe it, but it doesn't translate into actions. And the Bible says that's not real belief. It says what we truly believe in our, our, our minds always will, revolve, will result in, in lives that are different. So that the book of Romans even talks about faith that leads to obedience. Do you see that? No, I... All right, you're not... Maybe you're just not awake yet. All right, with this remembering thing, we have an idea that we can remember something, sometimes even write it down, but that remembering doesn't necessarily lead us to keeping the promise that we've made and the one that we're remembering. So we can separate what's in our heads... I still see you're not with me here. I've been thinking about this all week and thought, how on earth am I going to drive this home? And I thought of the best illustration that I could, could, that came to my mind. It was from an old Seinfeld show when just after I had experienced this in one of my travels, I saw it on the airplane. I have never forgotten it. I was going to tell you about it. And I thought the best thing for me to do is to show this to you. And I think it's going to help you to get at this point because I think it's an important one. So I'll show it to you and then I'll come right back. Next, please. Go. Go. She go. Can I help you? Name, please. Uh, Seinfeld. uh, You made a reservation for a midsize and she's a small. (laughs) I'm kidding around, of course. Um, Okay, let's see here. Oh, I'm sorry. We have no midsize available at the moment. I don't understand. I made a reservation. Do you have my reservation? Yes, we do. Unfortunately, we ran out of cars. But the reservation keeps the car here. That's why you have the reservation. I know why we have reservations. I don't think you do. (laughs) If you did, I'd have a car. (laughs) See, you know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to hold the reservation. 
And that's really the most important part of the reservation, the holding. Anybody can just take them. Let me uh, speak with my supervisor. Uh, here we go. Now, I think you're going to get it there. When God takes a reservation, he holds that reservation. When God makes a promise, he keeps that promise. When God remembers his word, he acts on that word. Do you see that? And so that's something that we can hold on to ourselves. That when we know who God is and what he has said and what he has promised, that even when we're not sure how he's going to keep that promise, we can rely upon his character because he doesn't just make a promise and then give up on it. And he calls us also to be people who remember and then act. So here's what I'm going to do today. I want us to think about how God remembers. I want to start with God. Good place to start. Agree? Then I'm going to come back to us. A little bit less exciting. And then I'm going to come back again to God to think about him. And then we're going to do what Jesus told us to do. We're going to remember what he did. So let's start with God. I just want to tell you, God always remembers. God always remembers. Um, what does he remember? If you look at chapter 2, verse 24 of Exodus, he remembers to keep his promise. Uh, look at that verse with me once again. Pam read it, but just look at it again. God heard the groaning of his people when they were in slavery. Notice what happened. He remembered. He remembered his covenant. He remembered his promise. Now, I know that for many people, when you read that, the first thing is, how could that be? Because when we think about us remembering, what we think of is remembering is sort of a, a mental exercise that grows weaker as we grow older, right? And so we think, how could this be that God had to remember? Did, did he forget? How much does God forget that he has to come back and remember? And the answer is, he does not forget. Uh, the, the, the word in theologians use is omniscient. God always knows. He always knew what his promise was. And in fact, verse 25, if it were translated in the right way, God looked on the Israelites and he knew. He knew that 600 years before he had told them that you're going to be in slavery, but you're going to be rescued. He knew that through this people, he was going to do the greatest thing imaginable in this world so that these people, the people of Israel, couldn't just be assimilated among all the other Egyptians. They had to be retained as a people so that the Messiah could come through. He knew that. He knew what he was going to do. So when he heard their prayers and their cries, it simply says he remembered. It's an act of remembrance because in the Bible, when God remembers... It doesn't mean that you and I should anticipate a nice Hallmark card saying, oh, I forgot. Here's a, a belated message about your birthday. No, always it means that God is getting ready to act on what he has promised. It's always telling us when you read in the Bible, and it happens often, when you read in the Bible, God remembered. I'm telling you, get ready for something big. And in this situation, what they were supposed to get ready for 
is that God was getting ready to act upon this promise of, of delivering them from slavery and taking them to a promised land. Let's first say, I want you to know God always remembers his promises so that as you and I learn to read those promises in his word and we come into tough times like these Israelites did, God always remembers. What, what else does he remember? He always remembers to be who he is. And by that, I mean when he keeps his promises, when he acts, he is always going to act in a way absolutely consistent with his character, with the way that he has revealed himself to be. So that in chapter 3, verse 15, once again, the version that I have in front of me doesn't even use the word. It says, this is my name, the I am, I am uh, who I am. This is my name forever. This is the name you shall remember me by, is what it says. The Hebrew word is zakar. It's used in chapter 2, verse 24. It's used here in chapter 3, verse 15. And do you remember the story that we talked about, visitors? You may not remember it because you weren't here, but, but the people of Israel were in slavery. Uh, Moses had really messed up. He had lost face with his own people, the Israelites. So he didn't think they would ever receive him. He'd lost face with the Egyptians, too, as he'd killed a man and then run away in cowardice. But amazingly, God is going to call this man into service. And he thinks, oh, my, how are they ever going to believe me and, and listen to me? There must be somebody else you could pick. He'd become 80 years old at the time. And for 40 years, he'd been wandering around and probably had almost forgotten about Jehovah God that his mother had taught, taught him about. So he comes to God and he says, what is your name? Among the many gods that people in Egypt worship, what is your name? And God simply says, tell them I am. I am the same God that you heard about from your forefathers. I am who I am and I am who I always will be. Count on that. Now, once again, this is kind of hard for us to get how, how powerful this is. Because in our day, a name is often just a name that kind of is popular in our culture. I don't know what all of your names may be, but often the names that have been given to us were, were popular soap opera names when, when we were born. This kind of names that people like, uh, that people give us. But that's not the way it was in the Bible. In ancient Israel, a name was given by the family to a child because they, they seemed to sense something in the character of that child when the child was born. So they would give it a certain name. My name, Gregory. Do you know what that means? It means awake, alert. There were times in my high school years when I know my parents wanted to change my name. And they tried to get me up. Do you see that? And, so, and this happened in the Bible, too. Sometimes parents would give a child a certain name. And then later, as that child was very different from what he, see or he or she seemed to be as a child, they would change the name. In fact, the same thing had happened with one of Moses' forefathers, with Jacob. The name Jacob means grabber. He, he was the second of a, of a set of twins. When his, his older brother was born, he grabbed on to his heel. And the parents saw something, and it was pretty true of him early on in his life, that he was always trying to grab things that didn't belong to him. Do you know that story? But then the turning point came. God broke into his life and changed him. And changed his name to Striver, one who would strive for God's will rather than grab hold of just what he wanted. 
And so here, what God is saying to Moses is, listen, they need to look back again and see who I am. I'm the God who created the universe. I'm the God who forgives sins. I'm the God who calls people who have really messed up. I forgive them and I use them again. I am who I am. I think that's one of the reasons why God appears to Moses in that burning bush that that didn't burn up. Because 600 years before, God had appeared to Abraham through a burning pot. Uh, Genesis 15, read about that. And it's as if he's saying, that same fire that was burning when Abraham was there, I am. I'm still burning now. So you need to know me and you need to trust me because my time has come to act and I will always act in a way consistent with the person that I am. Now, I'll I'll just tell you, I hold on to that truth so often in my life. And I have told you sometimes when some of you have talked with me about issues you are facing, I bring this back up again. We need to remember who God is. And when we do, even when we don't see how he's going to act in a way consistent with that, he will. I thought of just one illustration. It's one of the most difficult ones we face in our walk with God. But sometimes some of you, and I've had this in my life too, have lost a loved one. And you're not sure whether that loved one ever received Jesus as Savior. And you know the Bible says that the only sufficient atoning sacrifice for our sin is the death of the sinless Son of God. That we need to believe on the Lord Jesus in order to be rescued and to be saved. You know, the Bible is speaking about that. And it tells us That God is going to be just and loving. And so many of you have come to me at times when a loved one has died and you're not sure where they are. They said, how is heaven going to be heavenly for me if this person that I love deeply is separated from God under divine punishment and I am with him? How can that be? And, And many strange answers have been given. Like in heaven, God's going to blot out all the memories of everything that we have had. I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. Instead, what the Bible keeps saying is, God says, trust me. I am who I am. And two of the main characteristics of who God is are these. God is just. In other words, everything he does is right. In other words, when... There is evil in the world. In order for justice to be there, evil must be dealt with. Amen? I mean, no amens there, but it's true. Um, Whenever our families, there's an evil in our family and we just ignore it, we will not have a moral family. Just mark it down. In our church, if there are things that are wrong, they come to to the light and we just ignore them, we will not have a church that glorifies God. It will not be a moral place. Evil must be dealt with. We human beings often fail in doing it, but God says, I will not. Uh, I will make sure that justice is done. Evil will be punished. Goodness will be rewarded. And the scary part is that we, uh, we've all engaged in evil. But God has said, I have found a way to forgive you, to both be just and make sure that evil is dealt with, but also be loving. Uh, I have come. And lived the life you should have lived, but you haven't. And then died the death in your place that you should have to, but now don't have to. But you must receive by faith Jesus as Savior. So God is both just 
and is loving. And when we remember communion, we'll remember the place where that justice and love meet, right? The ultimate demonstration of the love of God is shown in him being willing to come and bear our sins upon himself. The ultimate demonstration of the justice of God is that it took the death of the sinless son of God to be able to atone for our sins. Now, putting this with that tough question, God is both just and always has been and always will be. And God is loving, always has been and always will be. How is that going to play out with the people that God loves far more than you and I possibly could? Do you know God loves you more than you love yourself? Do you know that? He loves you with an everlasting love. And do you know that he loves your loved ones more than you ever could? And that's not just now, that is eternally. So throughout eternity, the answer to this question of how is heaven going to be heavenly is going to be this. Because I am who I am. And we say, how does that fit together? It's the same question I am sure that the Israelites would have asked. How on earth is God going to find a way both to forgive us of our sins And to declare us right before him. And the answer is what we're going to remember. They could never have imagined God himself coming into this world, could they? They could have never imagined the cross. Which God himself is there. Paying for our sins and offering us forgiveness through the same acts. And so when I stand here and I say to you, throughout eternity, heaven will be heaven. And the only real sufficient answer is, God says, I am who I am. And throughout eternity, you will know I'm both just and loving. What he calls upon us to do is to trust him. And the action that we should take in the meantime is when we have loved ones who don't know Jesus, we need to tell them about Jesus. We need to show them the love of Jesus. We must tell them that there is always hope because God is who he is. God remembers. He will not forget his character. Now that brings me to us. Here's the tough part. We don't always remember. Not the way God does. What do we fail to remember? We fail to keep our promises. Let's own own up to it. You and I are all made in the image of God. We are not God. Can I have a witness? Any? Any? Anybody, anybody agree with me there? Sometimes our problem in keeping our promises is these, these frail memories. Uh, I wrote in the worship folder about the first guys I ever played tennis with many, many years ago. They were all over 80 years old. They would not let me give them a hard time about them being a lot older than I, I'm getting there. But I wasn't even getting close back then. But whenever I tried to give them a hard time for being not moving around the court so well, they just would beat me badly at tennis but at the end they gave one another a hard time and they told all of these getting old and forgetful jokes they were so funny i thought i'll never forget one of them i can't remember a single one of them and that's the way we are (laughs) something that's in our minds it's uh it just seems to go out again so sometimes we don't keep our promises because we are not god whether we're young or old we are not omniscient We are not all-knowing, and so sometimes we'll make a promise and we don't keep it simply because we've forgotten. But sometimes we don't keep our promises because even when that promise is brought back to our memories, we choose not to act. 
So we don't, people don't always remember to be who we were made to be. And we were made to be people who act in ways that are consistent with the God in whose image we are made. Does that make sense to you? We were meant to reflect the integrity and truthfulness of God himself. I think we all know what I'm getting at here. We make a promise. Sometimes you and I even make a commitment to God. And then we choose for some reason not to act on that memory. Sometimes when when it comes to it, we just don't feel like I have the resources to do it. Sometimes we get to be so busy that even when we remember it, we still shove it off. And then sometimes just intentionally, we know what we've promised and then we don't keep our word. You know what the Bible says? That's not real remembering. That's what we saw in the Seinfeld show. Yes, it's easy to make a reservation, but it is holding the reservation that's really important. So we make a promise, but don't hold on to it. True remembering in the Bible is remembering as God does. When something comes back to our memories, a promise made, a commitment we know we should make, then the one who is going to act in a way that is consistent with the God in whose image we are made will act in keeping with that word. So how does that play out? I'm sure all of you can think of ways. One day, we make a promise to God. Every time I go into that particular website, I get into trouble. I'm never going to do it again. And two hours later, there we are again. One day, we promise a friend that that debt that we have from back whenever, that we promise will be paid by this week, And the day comes, and then we make sure we don't see that friend. Sometimes we make excuses. Sometimes we say, well, uh, next week. And the next week never comes. And sometimes, specifically, the promise or commitment that we make is made to God. Father, I, I promise, knowing that all that I have has been given by you to tithe. And so the time comes, and we conveniently forget. I'm going to give us a moment at the end of our service to remember some of those commitments to God. Uh, To receive his forgiveness when we haven't kept them. To remake them. But before I come to that, I want to turn back to God at the end. Remember I said I'll come to us and then I want to come back to God. I want you to know that God loves us in spite of the fact that we fail to forget or choose to forget. God loves us and he does all sorts of things to help us out as frail human beings that he loves with an everlasting love. And, and he knows where we have a hard time with this. And so God doesn't leave us alone. How does God help us? Sometimes he does it by breaking into our lives in unexpected ways, uh, sending somebody across our paths that we would never have expected. And he did that with Moses. After 40 years in that wilderness, 40 years of just tending sheep, which I have heard is a rather mindless thing to do. (laughs) And maybe he had just thought, if God ever existed, he hasn't been thinking about him. God broke into his life. And things were never the same. And so many times I found that God does that for us. He'll send somebody across our path. He'll send us to church. And then suddenly uh, it feels as if that whole service was being put together just for me. Have you ever had that happen? That's the way God does it. You know what my prayer is? Visitors, you need to know this too. My prayer is that when you show up at Lake Avenue Church, God will intervene in your life. Now, I know that God can break in anywhere at any time. 
I mean, just this story. I mean, to break in in the middle of a wilderness, who would have ever expected that? God can break into your life anywhere and anytime. But I'll tell you my own experience. So many times the place and the time where God breaks into my life is right here in this place. Uh, you know, I practice going over this sermon. I, I kind of envision some of you because I know where you're, most of you are going to sit. So I sort of preach to you ahead of time. And even when I'm preaching, sometimes in the middle of that preaching, I just have to get down on my knees. God breaks into my life and says, it's not just for, for John and Sessie. It's for you, Greg. You know, you've got to respond to this thing. So many times it's in this place. I mean, God is everywhere. But there's just something when we gather as his people, as his children in this place and open our father's word, he intervenes in our lives. And I pray that every time you come here, that that will happen because our lives get to be so busy, don't they? They get to be so busy. And so other things seem to be so important and we don't even think about God, even though he's there. But when we come here and I can get you to shut off your phone for a few moments and we open this word, God breaks in and he says, I am here. It's that powerful thing. It's why he tells us not to forsake meeting with one another. So God sometimes helps us with our memory by breaking into our lives in a time like this and saying, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't given up on you. But that commitment that you made or should make is still a right commitment. Let's go at it again. That's one thing God does. A second thing God does to help us is that he provides, and you find it so often in the Bible, what I call visual aids. You you know, as as we read the rest of Exodus through the summer, we're going to find them wandering through this wilderness. And at the end, God is going to do this incredible miracle that will take us into the book of Joshua, in which just as he had taken them out of slavery, by taking them across the Red Sea with that miraculous act, He's going to take them out of the wilderness into the promised land across the Jordan River in the same way. You can read about it in Joshua 1 through 4. And then what he does is, knowing that people forget, before the miracle is done, he sends them back into the river, and they pull out 12 stones, and they build them right there where they had left. And, and those stones were a reminder that even in times when it felt, they felt like, my life's just wandering, it's heading nowhere. They look at that and say, God is still here. God can do anything so that they would trust him again. And if you look at Joshua 4, I love it. The the author just says this, and those stones are still here now. That visual. And you find that so often. Sometimes it's called an Ebenezer, which means a rock of God's help. The main help is that he helps us to remember that he is there. And even though his time perhaps has not yet come to act on a particular promise, he will He will. My favorite one of all, just make note of this. I think I'll write it here so you can see it, is Numbers 15. Uh, The people of Israel were to wear clothing, and a part of that clothing were to be these tassels that have blue cords. Uh, Chris and I lived in a very strongly Jewish area in Chicago, and the Hasidic, the more conservative Jewish people, still wear these. And why do you wear these things? Well, Numbers 15 talks about it. They were, had made promises to these, keep these commands so that things would go well for them. Why? Listen to God's word. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember all the commands of God. And remember, when you remember, this means action. So that you may obey them and not prostitute yourselves by going after the lust of your own heart and eyes. 
Maybe, maybe I should start passing out tassels to all of us. It would be a good thing, I think. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and, and you'll be consecrated to your God. For I am, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord, your God. So sometimes God gives us these visual remembrances. We're going to have one in just a few moments. The most powerful one of all. And sometimes it's when you write things down in your journal or put them on the memo of your, of your phone. You come back and say, oh, yes, I remember, Father, I will obey. How does God help us? I, I added this point at the end. Always by dealing with us with grace. Ready to receive us again. Grace, we don't deserve it. Promising us uh, good news for the future. I wanted to add this because Ken Hilton was a part of our group talking about the text. And he said one of the problems about talking about remembering is that sometimes for us it makes us think the good old days are better than these days. And especially in a church, the good old days, if we could just get back there to the way it used to be. The good old days were the perfect days. Can I just tell you something? The good old days weren't all that good. They never have been ever since Genesis 3. Ever since sin entered the world, there are good things about the good old days in the past. But none of them were perfect. They were all affected by sin. So we take time to remember not to go back to those days, but to remember that God was there and he's still here. But we remember that he's going to do something better in the future. The, the good old days are really ahead of us. We remember the past to know who God is and that he'll be intervening in the future, in the present. But the good old days are still ahead of us. This good news promise of God that you and I, when our trust is in Jesus, are destined to become complete in Christ and be a part of a world where there's no more pain, no more crying, no more sickness, no more death. Those are the good old days. So we remember that God was faithful in the past. We remember where he's taking us to in the future out of his love. Then we come back to the present and say, Lord, I will trust you. It is the power of remembrance. Now I want us to go to a time for remembrance, the way that Jesus talked about, because this is Communion Sunday. Um, we remember that this uh, remembrance that led to action in Exodus 2 and 3 We've come forward to another time when something very similar happened. Uh, we usually celebrate it at Christmas, but I think it's a good time to celebrate it now. That God remembered yet again. He started by sending an angel to a, to a priest named Zechariah and said that your older wife is going to have a child. And even though he couldn't believe it, eventually he did. And that child is going to be the forebearer, the forerunner. Of the, of, of the Messiah who's going to be the great rescuer. Do you remember what Zechariah prayed in Luke chapter 1? Let me remind you. Praise be to the Lord, Zechariah said. God has raised up a means of salvation for us, just as he said through his prophets long ago. God has remembered. That's what Zechariah says. God has remembered his holy promise, the oath that he swore to our forefather Abraham. And when he remembered, he acted. How did he act? He came in the person of Jesus. 
He lived that perfect life and was willing out of his love for us to die on the cross in our place. And just before he went to that cross, he said, until I come back and complete my work, whenever you gather, you have this meal. Take this bread, and you remember what he said, in remembrance of me. Not, not just a mental act, but a recommitment of our lives in remembrance of me. Take this cup in remembrance of me. For as long as you take it, you declare my death until this promise is fulfilled and I come again. So here's what I want us to do. If you can, I would like you to take out the kneelers for just a few moments. And as you are kneeling, and let me lead you in prayer. I want this to be a time of remembering. Remembering in the way the Bible talks about it. What do I want you to remember first? Will you remember who God is? His power. His justice and holiness. Remember his love for you. Remember who he is. You may not see it now, but God is who he is. And always will be. And you can trust him. He loves you more than you love yourself. Tell him you will trust him with whatever is on your heart. I want you to try to take a moment and bring to your memory something God has done in your life. Have you ever experienced his presence? Can you remember a time when he provided and you knew he was there? Remember that. Thank him again. And if nothing else, remember the greatness of his love in coming in Jesus, dying for you and me, triumphing over sin and death. Remember. He is who he is. He has not given up on you. Now take time and remember 
some promise from God. You haven't been to church very often. Perhaps you don't know many of his promises to us. Perhaps it's his promise never to leave you or forsake you. Perhaps it's his promise that when you confess your sins, he will be faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. Remember that. He has a promise. He has plans for you for a better future. Remember that. And finally, take time to remember promises you have made to God, but perhaps have not kept. to serve in some way, to give in some way. Well, perhaps you know there is a promise you now should make. Bring that to him now. Our Father, this part of your word is so powerful to us. For we too can understand the frustration of Moses and the challenges of people who for so many years had been in slavery. Father, many times we wonder what you are doing. But today we have come to look at your word and you have told us to remember who you are and to place our trust in you. But we do so because of Jesus and in his name.